This is a message from the emergency stuffed crust warning system. Cheese! Little Caesars Extra Most Bestest Pizza now has three feet of cheese stuffed in the crust for just nine bucks. I repeat, it has three feet of cheese stuffed in the crust. Cheese! That concludes the message from the emergency stuffed crust warning system. Get a large Little Caesars Extra Most Bestest Pepperoni Stuffed Crust Pizza for $9. Top four national pizza chains. Extra Most Bestest Pizza versus large round one topping pepperoni pizza. Everyday standard menu prices. Three feet of cheese before cooking at participating locations plus tax. Pizza, pizza. Um, you've read 60 books in five years, and most Americans would only read five. You look like you'd be better prepared. So you never stop learning. You never give up on life. You never give up on college. And you're constantly evolving, constantly changing. And that's critical. And it's critical to understand that. But, you know, the change is very difficult for most people. And it's not about Talking to us, telling us exactly what to do. Both people choose to listen, and they choose not to listen because they have a real challenge with change. It's just easier sitting on a couch drinking a beer, watching television, right? Than changing and reading and growing and learning and you know and evolving as a human being. I said earlier that we have eight passages in life. Each passage is ten years. So I'm saying that another way. Uh, you're a different person at ten years old than you were at one. You're a different person at twenty than you were at ten. You're a different person at 30 than you were at 20, 40 than you were at 30, 50 than you were at 40, 60 than you were at 50. I'm 72 and I'm a different person than what I was at 60. So you're constantly changing and you must fertilize, uh, cultivate, uh, and water uh, you. And without that, uh, you're not growing. And so all of nature, all you have to do is observe all of nature, all of nature, God's magnificent artwork of nature. And you will notice that nature, everything in nature is either growing or dying. Growing or dying. If you're not growing, you're dying. The interesting thing about trees is that trees die from the inside out. There are a lot of people that die from the inside out. So, evolving and changing is part of life, and growing is a part of life. Most people will not succeed because they will not change when they need to change. They will not fertilize their mind. In fact, I posted something up on my Facebook page this morning. It basically said, open your mind before you open your mouth. Open your mind before you open your mouth. So uh, that's how I see it as a 72-year-old black man living in America, that it's, it's about changing because and evolving and learning because there's unlimited opportunity. We live in the greatest country in the world. I've traveled all over the world twice. There is no country I would rather live in America. So we are not, in spite of America's isms, in spite of its isms, there are unlimited opportunities in this country, unlimited, all around you, right? Mm-hmm. So our, our challenge is not opportunity as black people in this great country. Our challenge is capacity, and that is building your capacity to take advantage of the unlimited opportunities. So the 21st century for us must be about building our capacity to take advantage. 
advantage of the opportunities around you. What is really an opportunity? It's a problem. That's all it is. So if you think about it in a positive way, it's not really a problem. It's an opportunity to fix the problem and to find creative and loving and giving and serving ways to monetize your resolution to a problem. That's really all it is. It's no more complicated than that. And everyone has the capacity to do that. How do I know that? Because God put you here. God put you here. I don't care what color your skin is, beyond your skin color. We we are all essentially created equal. Of course, there are exceptions to that rule. But you've been put here for a reason. God would not put you here for a reason or a purpose without providing you with everything you need to succeed. Right? So you have it. It's all in you. Right? It's not out there. Right? It's mm-hmm. in you. It's in between your two ears. <laughs> and, and again, it's no more complicated than that. Don't make it any more complicated. Listen to yourself. Grow. You know, never stop growing, or else you're simply going to die. And um, cultivate, nurture, and build the relationships necessary to take your life and to take your career or to take your business to where it needs to go, because you cannot do it by yourself. There's a beautiful passage in the Bible, a direct quote from Jesus Christ, and it's John 5, 30. There are not that many direct quotes in the Bible from Jesus Christ, but here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, I of my own self can do nothing. Now, this was Jesus. Jesus couldn't get it done on his own by himself <laughs> in a vacuum. So what's up with you? Why would you think you could do anything worth talking about, anything significant on your own by yourself in a, in a vacuum? So the passage says to me that we were born to connect. We were born to network. We were born to work together in a common bond of caring and sharing. That's really how you're going to succeed in life. And so the people you choose to be around you for the formative years uh, in your life, now maybe in the formative years, in the early stages of your life, mm-hmm. uh, uh, is a lot of the draw of the people around you, your mother and your father and your brothers and your sisters. You have no choice there. But as you grow older and wiser, as you reach the second and third passages of your life, <clears throat> when you're in your, you know, your teens and, your, and, and so forth and, and, and so on, uh, you begin to select and pick the people around you, and you begin to select and pick the people you don't want around you. Mm-hmm. How you do that, how you do that, will determine your life. Introduce me to your five closest friends, and that will tell me who you are. As they know, and as they go, you go. Mm-hmm. Now, I tell folks all the time, if you could find out the average income of your five closest friends, generally speaking, that's about what you're making. Wow. Right? That's about what you're making. So if your desire is to earn $200,000 a year, or whatever number, pick a number, mm-hmm. uh, but you're hanging out with people who are earning $50,000 a year, um, that's all you're going to make. <laughs> Why? That's all you're going to make. Right? Why? Because everything is a system. There is a system to everything. So the people that you're, your closest friends who you're hanging out with who are earning 50 only know the system for earning $50,000 a year. 
Wow. Maybe earning 200. Right? So that means that you're going to have to bless and release some of your friends and hang out with people who are earning $200,000 a year right. and follow their system. Right? That's, that's what you have to do. That's simple. Now, Mr. Fraser, this is very easy to say, but it's very difficult to do. Yes, that I was I was just about to ask you that because I know that I have been very quiet and most of the people watching this are probably going to say she's never that quiet. But one thing that I told myself with, with regard to this interview is that this is my opportunity to be a sponge because this is someone that has has done it. Not only have, have you done it, one thing I love about uh, what you do, and, and I've watched you over, over the years, is that not only do you do it, you help people do it for themselves. You help people understand and see at, uh, through your example that all of these things are attainable. And I love when you, when you say you have to surround yourself with the people for lack of a better word, that you want to be like. You have to surround yourself with people that can teach you the system of getting there. Now, the question is, how do you do that? How, how do you say, I want to I network with George Fraser, for example. How does one do that? Well, let me give you a piece of simple advice. If you want to meet important people, you have to be where important people are. Because they ain't coming to you. You <laughs> have to go to them. Okay. Right? But until such time as you become important, right? Important in the sense that you can train and teach and guide and mentor others. And so and you can, in the fairly early stages of your life, you are getting trained and mentored and coached. So you have to be where important people are. That's why we have the power networking conference for 16 years, mm -hmm. named by Forbes magazine as one of the top five conferences in America not to be missed. Not one of the top five black conferences, one of the top five conferences for all conferences put on in America. That's where we teach people, people who share your vision and my vision, people who you know, are where you want to be, uh, and we put on the conference to teach our people not only entrepreneurship, business ex excellence, and wellness, but to hook you up and to make available to you uh, access, powerful contacts. So you have to be where important people are. They're not coming to you. So that means you have to select the places that you go and spend your time, right, wisely. Mm -hmm. That's how you do it. And then you have to have a system uh, that is habitualized. In other words, it's a, just a habit, right? It's like it's like learning to ride a bicycle. Um, uh, you, there's, there's certain steps you learn to ride a bicycle. After you learn it, you don't need to think about those steps anymore. The steps become habitual and you just jump on a bike and ride it, right? It's mm -hmm. the same thing with networking. There's steps that you have to take, habits that you have to develop throughout your life to have a cumulative effect. And uh, that's how you get where you're going. But those habits just facilitate the process of being in and around um, important people and in situations and in meetings. 
Mm-hmm. You know, they're sitting in a workshop, they're sitting in a webinar, they're sitting in a, a conference. So they're there for the same reasons you are. They are like mine. These are generally people that you want to connect with. These are the people that you want to build, cultivate, and nurture relationships with, right? Uh, <clears throat> when I wrote the book, Success Runs in Our Race, I defined networking for African Americans. Networking is the identification and the building of relationships for the purpose of sharing information, opportunities, and resources. And the emphasis on that definition is on building of relationships and sharing, because all of life is about relationships. All of life is about working with and through other people. There is no success that you can attain, sustain, or maintain on your own, by yourself, in a vacuum. In fact, Mm -hmm. the most powerful asset that you will have in the 21st century uh, will not be your computer. I'm sorry. I don't care what people tell <laughs> you. It will be your relationship. It will, it will be a relationship. That's what it will be. Right? Because all entrepreneurship, all job searches, mm-hmm. all business offer mobility, all community building, all organization building, all nation building are inherently networking initiatives. Mm-hmm. That it is your ability to shape the scope of your search for human resources and bring them to bear on your challenges and opportunities in life is what will ultimately determine your level of excellence and success in life. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I had a couple of things I wanted to to, to ask you about right in right in line with with what you said in in my research. I saw that uh, you had done an, an interview and I think that this was probably around the time when you guys were taking the, the networking event. I think it was I think it was Dallas, Texas. And I have here it, it. You said that you have had the same goals for 25 years. One of them is to help black people attain wealth that can be handed down to the next generation. Another, which is very important and goes goes in line with that, and I wanted, wanted you to speak to that today, is you said, we'll be the first generation of Africans in America in 400 years to raise another generation of Africans in America who will be poorer than them. And when I saw that, I was like, oh my God, that is so on point. Talk to, talk to me about, about that goal, and, and, and you're definitely uh, one of the, the, the major players in helping to uh, help us to understand who we are, but, but talk a little bit about that. Yeah, uh, that uh, is a very egregious statistic and vision for uh, Africans in America. And uh, we cannot be a part of that. We cannot allow it on our watch. I won't allow it on my watch. I will not be a part of that statistic. So building wealth that allows us for the intergenerational transfer of wealth is critical. And helping black people become the number one employer of black people by the end of the 21st century is critical because we, like every other culture, have to create work and jobs for our people because that's the only way to raise up the poor. Right? Mm-hmm. Jews are the number one employer of Jews, Asians the number one employer of Asians, East Indians.
employer of East Indians, Arabs are the number one employer of Arabs. So we too must ultimately become the number one employer of our own people if we are to get out of this quagmire of 400 years still being the poorest people in America. Right? With mm-hmm. 400 years, we're still the poorest people in America with the worst financial habits of any culture group in America. Mm. Right? One of the reasons we're the poorest people in America is because we are financially illiterate. Right? We are financially illiterate. It's not that we don't have money. We do. We're a $1.3 trillion annual economy. If we were a nation, we would be the 16th richest nation in the entire world. That's wow. But our money goes in one direction, away from us, and we're some of America's most conspicuous consumers. We've taken the art of consumption to a whole new level. So we are functionally America's consumption class, and Europeans or white folk for America's merchant class. In other words, they make stuff and sell stuff, and we buy stuff. And as a result of the abuse and the misuse driven by financial illiteracy, not all black people are financially illiterate, just most, okay, but not all, right? We are, again, at the bottom of every single financial statistic that matters in America, right? So the 21st century has to be about attacking the problem from a literacy standpoint, because I believe that literacy plus action equals legacy. Without literacy, there is no there is no legacy. Without financial literacy, there is no legacy. So we this is why I said right in the beginning of the conversation, what is life really about? It is about constant, never ending improvement, lifelong learning and personal growth and development, right? We never stop learning, right? So that's a literacy issue. What's the first thing slaves did once they became free? They began building schools and ultimately we built our own college system because we knew that that education was the key to our legacy and our liberation, right? Mm-hmm. So, 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 but what, what we have not educated ourselves about uh, is this capitalistic society that we live in, the market-based economy and the democratic capitalistic society, the only color that really matters is green. So until your pile of green is as big and all our pile of green is as big and as high and as deep and as wide and as leveraged and as invested as any of the cultural groups pile of green, we will never be considered an equal at the table of democratic capitalism. Don't want to make this complicated. I'm just saying we've got to learn, earn, and return. That's what we have to do. Now, there are plenty of us learning and there are plenty of us earning. But not enough of us are returning. So mm-hmm. those of us who are learning and earning, which is in the minority, okay, must return back to our culture and to our communities, reach down, lift up, reach back, and pull forward, right? And mm-hmm. teach what we know so that we can prepare succeeding generations to take the baton and run the next lap, which is what every generation of Africans in America has done since 1619. We're the only ones that haven't. So we need our asses kicked, right? <laughs> uh, we, we, 
frankly, we absolutely need our asses kicked. The shame on us. And so let me say this and still be loved. Okay? Mm -hmm. Let me say this and still be loved. White folks ain't saved black people. In fact, white folks ain't even thinking about black people. Do you know who white folks are thinking about? White folks. They're yeah. thinking about their children, their husbands, their wives, their schools, their communities, and their businesses. That's what they're thinking about first. And you cannot hate on them for that. That's who we should be thinking about first, right? Our children, our schools, our neighborhoods, our businesses, our lives, our education first. That's who we should be thinking about. And we're not. I had a good friend who said to me, George, I know what black people's problem is. I said, oh, really, Bob? What is black people's problem? He said, you spend all your time thinking about us, and we don't spend any of our time thinking about you. Yes. So if you're not thinking about you, and we think I'm sure ain't thinking about you, <laughs> who's thinking about you? Right? I, I wrote this in a book. I wrote this in my first book. 24 years ago, success runs in our race. And I said, one of the guiding principles for black people in the 20th and 21st century must be to think race and culture first. Not only, but certainly first. Right? We haven't quite gotten that. Right? Wow. And when we get that, when we connect the dots, when we leverage more effectively our collective resources and intellectual capital, let me say that differently. God has given us everything we need to succeed. We have everything we need to succeed except each other. Jews have each other. East Indians have each other. Arabs have each other. Asians have each other. We don't have each other. So until we connect the dots, until we love ourselves, Right. See, when I look in the mirror um, and see what I see, I have to love it. Mm -hmm. Because if I do not love me as a black person, there's no way that I can love you. And that's called low race esteem. And when you have low mm. race esteem, which is based on low self-esteem, you will not trust and therefore work with and through other people. There is no wonder that we worship the feet of white people because we have been taught that. That it's the willingness that the, the only we, people we can trust are those that don't look like us. So... Mm. We have to get over that. We are still a deeply wounded people, right? And this is one of the reasons we cover wellness at the Power Networking Conference. Not only physical wellness, but psychological wellness. We're still deeply wounded. We are the only ones that behave the way we behave. Now, there are lots of reasons that we have gone through a psychological holocaust. Second to none in the history of humankind. And we still have wounds that have been passed on generation to generation. So when you've been taught for 12 generations, 13 generations to hate yourself and to love others more than you love you and your people, your culture, and your community, um, that is going to manifest in some very badass behavior, right? And some mm -hmm. very bad habits. And we have both of those, and the statistics bear it out. There was an interesting study, and I'll close with this study. Um, the Institute of study a report last year, this is 2016, everybody, the Institute of Policy Studies. And here, it, it was a study about the 
folk in America, which has gotten wider, by the way, in the last decade. Right? And here's the, uh, the closing paragraph from that study, and I quote it. If nothing changes among African Americans, it will take them 228 years, if ever, to close the income and wealth gap between blacks and whites, but it will take Hispanics 89 years. Mm. So why will it take Hispanics less than half the time it takes black people? Well, there are a couple of very simple reasons for it, right? And it, it's related to behavior. It's related to habits, right? Hispanics, the number one value in Hispanic culture is family. What is the number one problem in black America? The absence of black men in the home. Do you know the impact of that uh, over the last uh, 40 years financially? The lack of black men in the home? Well, Hispanics, the number one value is family. The second reason will take them less than half the time is that they are tribal, right? They are porters, they are favors, right? They operate circularly among themselves, okay? And the third reason it will take them less than half the time is that they are entrepreneurial. Now, they may be doing menial cat, you know, landscaping or masonry or whatever, you know, we didn't know that, but consider those menial tasks, but, but most importantly, they get their crew together, they start a business, and they, and they do whatever they need to do to keep the dollars and to keep the work within their community. Mm -hmm. God bless them, you can't hate them on that. So we're completely the opposite on those three things, right? So not only are we dispersed as black people, I live in Cleveland. You may live in people live in Atlanta, and we have black people all over this country. We have folk in Africa. We have folk in the Caribbean. We have folk in South America. There's nothing wrong with dispersion, but we cannot be disconnected. Mm. We are disconnected, and God has given us everything we need to succeed because He does not put a people. Oh, I think we have lost uh, Mr. Fraser. I am so sorry, people. Let me, uh, <laughs> we're going to have him back. I'm, I'm going to get in touch with him. We are actually going to have him back on a, another day. Listen, thank you guys so much uh, for joining. I know usually I take a lot of questions and, and comments, but I really wanted for everyone to hear from him. I am going to try to call him back very quickly. Thank you so much for joining. I will be. Please share this with your, uh, with your, with your group, um, anyone that you think would be, uh, would be interested. I am certainly blessed by having been uh, just spent this little bit of time with him. We're going to have him back, and we're going to have him back when we have our technical difficulties uh, actually fixed so that we can make sure that we can have him on the video. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for your patience. And again, as usual, leave your comments, leave your questions. I will make sure that Mr. Fraser gets those questions uh, and comments. So please check him out. It's, uh, it's actually FraserNet.com. Uh, That's FraserNet.com. I will be putting that uh, website in the comments so that you guys can reach out to him. Thank you so much again for being, uh, for being here. And I will be back live uh, in the morning at 9 a.m. Central Standard Time.
Hi, I'm Jimmy. And I'm Kennedy Carman. Hurry up and save at the all-new R-Town Ford. Your new choice in Randallstown. There's hundreds of new Fords with total savings to up to $12,000. Or choose 0% financing up to 72 months. It's my town. It's your town. It's R-Town Ford. Say Metro by T-Mobile, got the best deal in wireless, and it's all for you, all for me. Just switch quickly, because Metro has two lines for 80 and two Samsung Galaxy J7 Star phones for free, plus Amazon Prime included. That's the way wireless should be, only at Metro. Plus sales tax and activation fee. $50 plus rate plan required. Not valid for numbers currently on T-Mobile Network or on Metro in past 90 days. Offer subject to change. Offer valid for new Amazon Prime members. Amazon Prime has a $12.99 per month value. Restrictions apply. See store for details and terms and conditions.